Good evening, good day, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be in the world. I'm Mark Smith, and I lost track of which podcast episode <laughs> It's the weekend, folks. That's all that needs to be said. Um, keep in mind, I believe it's... International Observe the Moon night, uh, the 25th, uh, I seem it to be, I tell ya, um, I've always been in awe as a little kid, um, my parents were just there as parents, not much of a sense of the word, as a defend for myself. And I remember my first time being outside, looking up in the sky and seeing this big white thing in the sky that looked like the shape of a dime. And, uh, I've always been in awe of the moon. Um, it's, um, hard to figure out, because we've heard either way that, yeah, we did land on the moon before the next decades. And then um, we were told, no, we didn't. Um, But let's just say we did. Uh, I can remember uh, what they call this, uh, a lot of networks called a simulation or demonstration of what is allegedly going on on the moon after we landed and Armstrong came out and uttered his infamous words. Um, one way or the other, as far as I'm concerned, we did, we didn't. To me, it's just a thought. Uh, I'd say we didn't. But we've seen the simulations, demonstrations, whatever you care to call it, on TV, especially in my case, on a black and white TV. Um, the picture was really clear, and at the same time, too, we've seen these lines that would roll up, invisible lines, kind of like the resolution, if you will between the simulation and what it would look like if there was a camera uh, that watched Armstrong do his thing. But what if we did land on the moon for real? It would be such an accomplishment and a human achievement to be able to land on the moon 
Um, even back then in the late 60s, there was talk about overpopulation. Um, science itself was looking at the moon as another place to um, population eyes, if you will, uh, to reduce some of the uh, human population here on Earth, we were talking about using the moon as our sister planet, if you will. Um, even to this day, uh, it amazes me. Like when I grew up in uh, Cleveland, every once in a while the moon would be in a certain position. And over the years I lived on West 50th Street just off of Clark Avenue. And I would look to the east, and here's this humongous. Um, combination orange and blue crater, orange color moon with blue craters, visually that is. And it would rise up slowly over the course of the evening until about it got really dark. Then the moon would be back to its normal dime-sized shape. But to see the moon as big as it is uh, rising into the atmosphere, I never really gave it much thought uh, what side of the moon we were looking at. But I will say that I think what uh, we all seen when the moon rose, that the moon did the uh, moon rise, we were seeing the same side of the moon that we would see up in the air in a dime-sized position. And here we are talking about checking out Mars. I don't think we really know enough about the moon to really think what if? But it's something to think about. Um, maybe, for all anybody knows, if the course of history changed a bit and there was no need for this COVID-19 virus to take its toll, literally, in more than one, on people, that the next best place would be the moon. Um, it's just a thought, you know, what if, but it's an interesting one. What if we did land on the moon?
before we uh, had our share of uh, pre-conspiracy uh, theorists, even those days, to say such a thing. Um, let's face it, everybody loves gossip, everybody loves rumors. And a myth along the way doesn't hurt either. Page two. I can remember as a kid, um, every time I heard a plane pass overhead, I'd look up at the plane and just be in awe at uh, the invention of flight. And uh, I always wondered what it would be like to fly, even as a kid. Well, I got my chance twice, but not as a kid, to fly. Um, it wasn't until about, oh, what was it? Um, flying from, at the time, my then family and I lived in Connecticut for about three years. They all left for Cleveland to be with her family, and I had to basically wait until uh, I was done with work and went to, uh, from Naugatuck to Hartford, take a plane from Hartford to Detroit and then from Detroit to Cleveland. I can remember my very first time at flying. Um, I guess I may have been numb or neutral. Didn't really feel anything when I boarded the plane. Then when the plane began taxing down the runway and drop the safety belt and seat belt in. And then when I seen the plane start to leave the runway, first thing that came into my head was, okay, this is just one gigantic Ferris wheel. Because I didn't want to get all hyper on a plane my first time flying. But, you know, in a situation like that, you'll think about anything. Let's face it. And it worked. Um, I don't know what the conditions were at the time, but I know the no smoking sign did not go off the whole time we left Hartford to all the way over to um, Detroit, Michigan. I remember sitting on the right side of the plane where the right wing of the plane, as the plane was flying, we, those of us on the right side, we seen, uh, by the flashing lights on the plane, the right wing, uh, kind of like wave up and down at us, and we told the the flight attendant, flight attendant, told the pilot, the pilot says, 
explosive effect, no big thing. We didn't crash or anything like that. And it was at night time. And seeing the many cities that have a humongous set of lights, outdoor lights, that we flew over, um, some of the layouts of some cities uh, that would, well, was called at the time light pollution. Um, lights on buildings. Um, it was very interesting, the design of the lights in the various cities we flew over. And, uh, I still, to this day, every once in a while, will look up. Um, we also encountered something about, uh, about ten years ago. We had, here in Cleveland, two planes around the rush hour, I think it was like 4.30, 5.30 p.m., two planes. One was like above the other. And we thought something was weird. And it was on the news. And it was said that the FAA uh, allowed that to happen. I forgot what the reason was, but uh, you know, very uncomfortable you know, when you got two planes, one on top of the other, especially when you're at the bottom. If you know what I mean. Um, just a matter of, you know, look how far we have come. Like I say, aviation. Uh, thank you, Wright Brothers, page three. Before I continue, um, email me at some of your, um, uh, Think that you were in awe and amazed at growing up as a child. Um, I'm sure there are several things that we all took for granted growing up, and then when we got old enough to really find out what it was about, we were just wow. Thank you, Groove. Um, Groove is owned by Spotify, from what I understand, um, who allows people like you and I to have our own podcast for free. We can also monetize it, and I don't get paid for the uh, promo. There was a childhood fear I think we all had growing up, and I think it's safe to say, thunder and lightning. We didn't know how to handle it as a kid, because, you know, we have yet to go to kindergarten, let alone first grade. Um, I will say this, my mom and my two half-sisters, as one of my half-sisters want to be known as. Um, pretty much settled the majority of my fears when there was thunder and lightning. 
they always told me, the man upstairs, it's his bowling night. And, you know, they got me just thinking, you uh, the way the thunder claps, uh, the sound of the thunder, you know, okay, he hit a strike. Okay, he hit a spare. Oh, uh, ball. Now, that kind of thing. I knew a woman one time that I think, uh, I say this all to respect, her dad, when he found out that his daughter had a fear for thunder and lightning, any time there was a storm and thunder and lightning was around, he would force his daughter to sit out on the porch and just sit there and let the thunder and lightning you know, and the rain do its thing. And it carried into her um, adult years. And uh, she still has a little girl in her, which I think is just magnificent in its own way. You just have to have met the girl and got to know the girl to really understand where I'm coming from on that. I passed on to her the same thing my parents passed on to me. Anytime you hear thunder and lightning, it's God falling night. And if you have it during the day, God's practicing. Hey, as long as it works, you know? As long as it works, and it eases the child's fears, that's the important part of being a parent. I got take three, take four. First time at riding a bike. A two-wheel bike. Riding a bike, a two-wheel bike with train wheels on both sides in the back, tire. Uh, I felt a little secure. But, uh, wasn't quite the same as mom and dad holding on to your bike as you were trying to pedal and now navigate and balance the damn contraption. Um, I remember in the early 60s, we lived in Cleveland on a house on West 62nd Street, just off Store Avenue. Stockout area, as it was called. Oh man, did that area live up to its name. Um, the big thing among homeowners at that time was when it came to the lawn, there was this uh, lawn tool called the edger. And uh, that left like a little groove between the homeowner's lawn and the sidewalk. I hated it because every once in a while, unbeknownst to me, get my little bike stuck in the groove and it's like, wait a minute, what's this, what's this, boom. I either hit the sidewalk or I hit the lawn. I used to blame my bike 
typical kid stuff, folks. Typical kid stuff. I used to blame my bike, uh, you know, for what happened. But after a while, the pain went away and I went back to riding my bike again. Um, my two sisters found somebody and they ran up and got married to them. And I was big, and I was stuck with one of my sister's big bulky, big bulky bikes. Um, and uh, I got I got so used to riding my own two-wheel bike, you know, I could sit down and pump the pedals. Well, my sister's bike was about maybe three to five inches. Uh, bigger than me. And my parents and the neighbors are saying, Come on, Mark, you gotta pump it, you gotta pump it. And pump the pedals, you know. Uh, I'm like, I can barely reach the pedals. You know? And everybody cheering me on. Pump the pedals, Mark, pump it, pump it. Different definition of the word pump it back then than it is nowadays, or these days. Um, it was hard. So it was like maybe the following year, I guess I grew a few more inches and I was able to ride my sister's big bulky bike. Uh, um, even bikes back then uh, were built almost the same way cars were built back then, big, bulky, heavy metal, literal, um, it's just, uh, unbelievable, uh, life and time for a kid, uh, let's just say page five on this one. This one to me is interesting. Um, I'm sure, you know, guys in grade school years on up, they always found themselves a girlfriend. Me? You gotta be kidding. Um, I couldn't care less you know, if I had a girlfriend or not. Once in a while in, in class there was a girl that I happened to like and I happened to, you know, got along with. Uh, there was no commitment. Um, I think our parents back then would look at if there was like a a relationship between uh, elementary school kids, our parents would look at it as puppy love. And uh, I had friends, but they come and they go. Um, I wasn't into the same things other guys were. And in my teenage years, 
um, I wasn't even all that concerned. I mean, if I did find a girl that I thought was attractive, I would, you know, I'm not, as Harry Chapin would say, I'm not much of a mover, pick him up, easy guy, but I did give it a try. Um, there was a lot of rejection involved. Um, I think it was because of me being uh, one of the guys, but at the same time, too, I was not one of the guys because I looked at things differently. And as some of you can tell from my podcast, I talk differently than everybody else does. Not different European English. I just have a different way of using the European English language vocabulary or whatever you want to call them. And here I am, 64 years old, um, in the process of a divorce. Yes. Me. Um. There are young women, usually uh, mid-to-late 20s, 30s, and 40s, and here are these young guys, um, they use and abuse these young women. And Let's face it, everybody. There are many different varieties, types, kinds of men and women out there. And it can be very frustrating, very angered. Um, I forgot what the ratio was between, you know, so many men versus so many women. Um, There's extenuating circumstances, and I really don't want to get bogged down in that area. But, um, from what I understand, there are guys that when they find a girlfriend to hang with, uh, shack up with, they try to get their woman to think like a man. No way, no how. Okay? No way, no how. Page five, page six. If you heard um, an alarm go off, there's a tenant in the apartment complex I live in who keeps trying my doorknob to see if he can do, let's say, a fast twist and push to see if anybody's in my apartment. 
Well, the first two times I caught him. You think he'd learn? Hell no. And, uh, he still keeps trying. And I have to keep my door locked. You know, for him not to get in. And I bought an alarm system. And he kept trying. After I bought it and installed it, he kept trying, and the alarm would go off each and every single time. And I remember one time he tried it two days in a row. The second day in a row, he tripped the alarm again, and I heard him grumbling outside. Now, he thinks he's smart, he thinks he's slick. Uh, unfortunately, he is not. Uh, that's another thing, too, people, if you're going to get an alarm system. a connected or otherwise, for that matter, alarm system. I found that there are some brands of alarms that, let's say you buy a door alarm. Not all door alarms will go off uh, when there's a fourth century break-in or whatever you care to call it. Some will go off. There are some alarms where the door has to open slowly in order for the alarm to go off. Got it, General Electric. Mm -hmm. I read on uh, Walmart.com the GE programmable alarm. The only way that thing will go off is if the door is open slowly. Not too good of a move there, GE. GE slipping. Um. There are, let's say, perils when you live in the bunker. Thankfully, I don't. I already had my share of living in the bunker so much so, so that in 2018, where I used to live in Cleveland, there was one really heavy rainstorm around the last week in August of 2019. So much so that while I was away recuperating from a stroke, rehab that is, my son informed me that there's mold, patches of mold on the walls of my apartment. And I have very acrimonious 
feelings, emotions, and so forth, which is a man, so-called management company. Um, they foot drag and they procrastinated in trying to find me a place to live. And uh, um, a few days after, well, about five days after, I went looking online at uh, Home Depot to see if it was an air purifier for the time being. Luckily, they had a air purifier, $50, lucky me. Um, Um, they did find me a place to live, but uh, the end result, I ended from one place to some other place, quite another. Um, but, uh, You have to, if you live in the bunker, you do have to come up with locks, window locks. If you have like a sliding door, a sliding window, you do have to have locks. And you also have to keep your, your windows in your basement apartment uh, closed. Because even onto this day, there is peeping times, warriors, insatiably carrying people. Um, basically narcissists of what we're all dealing with at any time. That love to look inside. I mean, figure by the time you get around to finding out there's somebody on the outside looking in, they can duck anywhere they want. And when the police come by, all the police can do is take a police report and keep an eye out. Um, even where I used to live in Cleveland, there was some idiot, for lack of a better term, if he seen I had my basement window open He'll go, hey, hey, hey. Then when I did go out, nobody there. I had to keep my windows closed, my AC running. Not by choice. Um, my curtains closed, my blinds closed. What was even worse, I was right across the street from another apartment complex. If I took a nap, let's say around 3 p.m. during the week, tenants from across the street, they would park their car and in front of my apartment. I lived across the street from the apartment complex. 
And once they somehow seen me sleeping, taking a nap, they would either keep their uh, headlights on or they would flash their headlights just to try and wake me up. And then when I did wake up, they immediately turned off the uh, headlights. Well, I got them spooked in more ways than one. When I seen their vehicle, same place the next day, I figure I better take a picture of this car, plate and all. And the, the owner of the car came out, and by the time he came out, I was already going right, right back into my apartment complex. I go, hey, hey. Um, the next day, he moved his car somewhere else. That's pretty bad, folks, when you have to give somebody a wake-up call of sorts. Okay, six. And for those of you who would like to see some of my videos and pictures, or as I'm going to call them, photos, my Instagram handle is mx2555. Instagram MX2555. Um, I had fun while I was there, um, especially in the winter. Um, I always, you know, word, I always had along along the lines of my videos. You would think, and I would hold a a bottle of head and shoulder shampoo words to the effect you would think mother nature would get the hint and then somebody at the uh, dumpster threw away a, uh, a box spring mattress and words to the effect I would say you gotta be kidding mother nature homeless Or is it a transient um, moment in time? You know how unpredictable Mother Nature can be. Um, I came across somewhere in Lorraine County a I guess it's a shell of a phone booth, or not phone booth, a shell of a, what you have a, a pay phone for a driver to pull up and make a call. Well, the phone's gone, but the, uh, the hood, I guess you could call it, that is on the pole of where this pay phone used to be is still there. And uh, I'm sure a lot of us remember pay phones, especially when they cost oh, a nickel and a dime to make a call. Then it was like, what, 25 cents? When you spend like three years in Connecticut and the pay phones out there are 10 cents, 
And they come back home, and here they are, a quarter. Boy, talk about getting thrown for a loop. Page 7. The one thing I will say about Lorraine County, they can never keep track of um, where they left off as far as sidewalk paving is concerned. Um, there's not even a sign that says you're now leaving such and such a city. And not too far away, there's another sign that says, Welcome to such and such a city. None of that stuff. The sidewalk is what really blew my mind the most. Sidewalk begins on one side of the street, you can go across the street, some intersections, the sidewalk keeps going, then all of a sudden it stops. No sidewalk. But if you look across the street, where the sidewalk ends on the side of the street that you're on, the sidewalk begins across the street from where you're at. Um, it's a mind blower. Um, it's really hard to figure out. So, let's see, uh, anything going on this weekend? Um, I'm trying my best to stay away from Trump. And even on some of these dating sites I've seen, there are people that will sneak in their few word comment about Trump. They're not exactly head over here about the sob either. So I just see Trump as a different man, different measures. Since he apparently can't get any foreign help, or should we call it foreign aid, to secure him a second term. He is complaining about uh, mail-in votes. Uh, you know, trying to detour the blame that some people are still blaming him for buying the election. Um, now it's kind of just blame to mail-in votes, mail-in ballots. That wasn't a problem until he came into office then. As I said, when the COVID-19 virus hit the USA, and he had a nerve thinking that he's the supreme God above God, calling the virus a hoax, like, uh, I don't recognize you, I don't see you, therefore you don't exist. I like to smoke whatever he's drinking and drink whatever he's smoking. Or his methodology of delivery really needs to get overhauled. 
Um, no, what, what did he say last night? The virus does not affect young people below the age of 18. Come on, Trump. Does Melania know what you're doing? I always wonder how Melania feels about the whole thing. Um, it's either that or she's distancing herself from her husband's so-called job. Um, that's a mind blower, folks. So let's put this one in the can, as they say. Have a great weekend. If I don't talk to you sometime during the weekend, we'll see you sometime next week. So, have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, some parts of the world are already in your weekend, as well as ending one part of your weekend. Um... Have a great weekend, as well as what's left of it, and we'll see you next time, everyone.